Your business gets to a certain size and the cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day, they're taking a week. You have too many manual processes. You don't have one source of truth. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,000, 25, 1. 37,000, that's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. 1. Because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, and one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecast, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. Having all of your business's information in one place is a powerful thing because it allows you to make better decisions, which is why NetSuite's unprecedented offer to make this possible is something to take advantage of. Don't wait. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist, designed to give you consistently excellent performance, absolutely free, at netsuite.com strange. That's netsuite.com strange to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com strange. Hey, strangers. Today we're bringing you a special crossover episode with our friends from Two Girls, One Ghost a.k.a. the most haunted podcast in America. And we're not talking a trailer. We mean a full crossover episode. Hosts Corinne and Sabrina joined us to share a story especially tailored to our audience, and we think you're going to love it. And we also did the crossover on their feed as well, so be sure to check that out. We told them a story that we think you'll be familiar with. We also think you'll love their podcast, too. If you're a true believer or even a skeptic, you should check out their episodes. Sabrina and Corinne are paranormal enthusiasts who explore the deepest, darkest, spookiest places in the world, delivering doses of research, history, and spine-tingling tales. If possessed kids crawling backward up walls, campers entranced into fey circles, and creatures who chase drivers down back roads are your kind of thing, then tune in to Two Girls, One Ghost wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes are released every Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Now, we hope you enjoy this story. Mara and I certainly did, as you'll hear in the episode. So as I mentioned in the intro, we do have some special guests today. We have Sabrina and we have Corinne from Two Girls, One Ghost, but we also have another guest from our own show, and that's Mora, who is the producer and also writes a lot of episodes. And we are gathered here today to hear a very special story from Sabrina and Corinne. Mora, do you want to say hi as well? I do want to say hi. Hello, listeners. If you're a patron and you've been on a live stream, you've seen me and my cats before. So glad to be gracing your ears on the main feed. And I'm so glad that we have guests to grace your ears yeah. to bring us a special story about a haunted house. Very yes. excited to be here. And um, full disclaimer, we are full believers uh, and will tell you this story as if there is complete truth to it. Because we believe. Yeah, I think our <laughs> listeners can handle it. I do want to warn them that they may be haunted afterward, right? Yes. 
Yeah, we that's apologize. A, that's an appropriate warning to give up front. We have had many people who've listened to our podcast report that after listening or even during, during listening, yeah. that they experience some haunting. So just beware yeah. of ghosts when when you come over. We have kind of become self, I mean, maybe self-proclaimed, but also because of the evidence piling up, we call ourselves the most haunted podcast in America. I will say there there are some more terrifying stories, but there are also some really good stories there. We've had multiple where, well, I'll say one where a listener was driving and our podcast was playing and it kept skipping and it was like saying stop or something like that. One of our voices was saying stop. And so she stopped and luckily she did. It startled her enough that she, because it skipped to one of us yelling stop and it startled her enough that she slammed on the brakes. And good thing she did because a car ran a red light through an intersection and had she continued driving, most likely would have gotten hit. So we think that our voices are just being used sometimes for some spirits to intervene with the people that they want to interact with. But also don't expect us or our podcast to save you because (laughs) (laughs) we have no control over that. But thanks for having us on and not being scared of us. (laughs) We're so excited for someone else. (laughs) tell us a story so yeah this one's not scary so that helps I think with uh nothing bad happening yeah but it's one of our favorite haunted houses and I'm gonna start us off back in September of 1931 the Irving family started to hear some strange noises in their home they lived in the Isle of Man in the UK it was James and Margaret and they were living there with their 13 year old daughter Vori together they all started hearing some scratching, you know, the typical haunted house sort of thing, scratching on the walls. And this persisted, and eventually they started hearing rustling behind their farmhouse's wooden panels. Along with the scratching and along with the rustling, they heard what sounded like a human voice. Whatever was in the walls didn't seem to be able to speak well at first, despite it sounding human, but it changed and its speech began to progress. Despite the threat of someone maybe living in their walls, the family, they surprisingly don't seem too disturbed. They're like, okay, whatever. Like, this is fun. Whatever's happening, just keep your ear out, which is so wild to me because I think I'd be in a full-blown panic if I thought someone Ripping was apart living in my walls. the walls. Yeah, I'd be like, yes. who is here? Call the police. Who Help is us. This? Yeah. Especially if they're speaking in this unintelligible voice, which is what Scary. was happening for yeah. a while. But then the voice started to communicate it started to learn English. It was learning, which just reminds me of my Furby when I was younger that I was terrified. <laughs> Feed me. Feed me. Hungry. I always wanted a Furby and I never got one for the record. Honestly, you're not missing out. Investing. They would be adults. possessed. Okay. No, you could totally invest in it as an adult and I don't think that would be weird, but I think you should be prepared to be freaked out. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Noted. I did like their tongues. I don't know. There was something their little about tiny tongues, so their beak, yeah, like in their beak. It was like a little. It's like a little turtle tongue. Almost. Yeah, yeah. The ghost wants it to was come cute. live in my Furby. That is. <laughs> There's too many possessed Furbies out there. We don't need you to have one too, Mora. <laughs> But honestly, if you do, I mean, there's part of me that kind of not to wish it upon you, but also, I think you <laughs> wish it, it upon opposed? yourself. But also, it would be funny. Okay. Yes. Yes. Anyway, yeah. 
Okay, so the Irving family, they're experiencing the scratching, the sound. Something's behind their walls, clearly, and this thing is starting to learn how to communicate with them. With this new development, eventually the family does become a bit more concerned with what's happening, though there hasn't been much done on their part to identify where the source of the noise is coming from. They just feel like it's kind of coming from everywhere, emanating through the walls of their farmhouse. So they're thinking, kind of like what we're thinking probably right now, oh, their house is haunted. But then the family sees what was making these noises. And what they saw sets the story apart from pretty much all other haunted houses. For the one strange thing, we did this for you, (laughs) for the one strange thing about their haunting is that this wasn't a typical human spirit or a poltergeist or a demon or some of the things that we would typically associate a haunting with. This was a creature. It was a creature that looked like a ferret or like a mongoose. It was small. It had yellowish fur and a really big bushy tail. It was a talking mongoose living in the walls of the Irving family home. And his name was Jeff. Because... (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Did Jeff tell people that his name was Jeff or was Jeff? Yes, he did. That was my immediate question, but I'm sure you're going to explain. Okay. (laughs) Oh, he did. Because he could talk. Oh, he did. Of course. I want to know everything about Jeff. Okay. He let everyone know his name was Jeff and introduced himself to the Irving family. He said, my name is Jeff with a G. G (laughs) G-E-F. Jeff. 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 I'm sorry. That was just a lot of information that was extremely, <laughs> extremely funny at one time. And it was like four twists at one time. Okay. I got, I'm sorry. I mean, this is why we love this story so much <laughs> okay. because it truly is, it's funny. Bizarre. It's bizarre. It is endearing, um, but also kind of scary at the same time. Yeah. You grow to love Jeff, but you also are fearful of him the entire time. I'm yeah. stuck on G-E-F. Um, yeah, he's, yeah. You, you thought Jeff it was going one way, but then it went a different way, and that's what that's got me. Like, he's a mongoose, so he wouldn't know how Jeff is spelled. Even the British version, <laughs> yeah. you're correct. Yeah. Or he wanted his own flair. He's like, I'm unique. I'm a talking mongoose, and so my name should be just as unique. That's valid. So Jeff... Actually, while he is a mongoose right now in this story, he tells the Irving family that he used to be a man. And he was actually born in the year 1852 in New Delhi, India. And his spirit was now earthbound. And at this exact moment in time, he had taken the body of a mongoose-like creature. And I say mongoose-like because if you've seen a mongoose, they are not small and yellow the way that Jeff has been described. Bushy tails. Bushy tails. Yeah. Yeah. So he wasn't necessarily a mongoose, but he wasn't not a mongoose. I think it was just, I don't know, Corinne, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he said he was a mongoose. I think he said his name was Jeff and the family related him to a mongoose because that's the closest thing they could identify him with. He did at one point say that he was an extra, extra clever mongoose. Okay. But I don't know if that was after the family had already maybe told him he looked like a mongoose or if that was a self-identification on his part. Okay. Uh, and he was charming. He was, you know, kind of taken in by the family. And that there's, again, like this whole story is a little bit weird because the family just never questioned 
this and they were very welcoming because <laughs> if I started hearing strange voices in the wall and then saw a talking mongoose, I'd be a bit scared, believe I was dreaming or I, I don't know. But Jeff integrated himself pretty slowly into the family, which is maybe where his genius comes in. You know, he started out with the small noises, the scratching, slowly learning English, and then didn't introduce himself or appear to the family perhaps until he knew it was the right time. And it worked because the Irvings pretty much adopted him and Stuart littled him. Jeff said he was an extra, extra clever mongoose, like Corinda said, and he was adamant about it. He was like, I'm extra, extra clever. He also once told the family, I am a freak. I have hands and I have feet. And if you saw me, you'd faint. You'd be petrified, mummified, turned into stone or a pillar of salt. It kind of sounds like Jeff wanted his own podcast. I think yeah. he likes the sound of him himself speaking. <laughs> so, <laughs> announcing, I am a freak. Can they, yeah. I am a freak. Can they not see him? He's describing himself. So they can see him sometimes. Okay. He can he decided to show himself sometimes other times he did not but he was this, mostly unseen they caught glimpses of him on occasion okay. but he was he a was, little bit more shy about his appearance i guess he was a bit self-conscious yeah i have put a link in the chat to a rendering of jeff oh for so me thank you okay can all just understand what yes. we're looking at oh wow look at the eyelashes on that rendering definitely good <laughs> Yeah, jealous. Yeah, he's cute. Jealous of those. It's so interesting because he was a bit self-conscious, but I also picture, just based on his speech patterns, I picture him believing that there's a spotlight on him at all times. <laughs> that feels accurate. He does sound like a podcaster. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so the Irvings find Jeff endearing, and he continues to talk a big game and is like, I'm a terrifying, horrible creature, but – at the same time, was really loved and adored by the family. And like Corinda said, he spent most of the time hiding. Um, but when he did interact with the Irving family, it was a jolly good time. But Jeff was kind of brash. So there was one morning when James Irving was reading the newspaper when all of a sudden a high-pitched voice, not belonging to his wife or daughter, came through the walls and yelled, Read it out, you fat-headed gnome! And it was Jeff because he was like, hey, I want to read. I want to hear what's in the news, which I don't know. Can you blame him? The family wasn't entirely sure what Jeff was. So the descriptions of himself changed a bit. When they saw him, they saw a mongoose-like flash of a creature go by. But sometimes Jeff would call himself an extra clever mongoose. Other times he would lay out the I'm a freak vibes. And another time he said, I'll split the atom. I am the fifth dimension. I am the eighth wonder of the world. So he's got a big ego. So the family also thinks that whatever form he's taking on and whatever he's doing, that they feel that he was mongoose-like. But some of his physical descriptions, like the bushy tail, the yellow fur, they don't always necessarily match. And so they start to wonder, okay, which <laughs> I'm sure they wondered this before this point, but clearly this thing was a supernatural being, right? You can't be a talking mongoose and actually be what we know to be an earth, earthly mongoose. So they're like, maybe this thing is the supernatural being that can shift 
and alter its appearance. So when he describes himself, sometimes maybe he's not appearing as a mongoose. Maybe he is around more than we know and we're just not seeing him because he's taking on many forms and he's not just simply a possessed mongoose because Jeff is unique, right? He's a talking mongoose. <laughs> and also he was thought to have telekinetic powers. Why not? As you do. Add that in. <laughs> yeah. Jeff did spend a lot of time hiding, but the family would also see things moving around their farmhouse on their own. And it's possible that since he could appear as a mongoose, that perhaps just like Randall from Monsters, Inc., he could be completely invisible and go unseen and run around and move these things. Or perhaps he was using his powers psychically to shift things and move things without touching them. Who knows? But the Irving family would attribute small these small occurrences to Jeff. And this little talking, possessed, mongoose, alien, hybrid, creature of the fifth dimension found his place in the family. And then he took on the role of guard dog slash caretaker. As if we couldn't love Jeff even more. He started to guard the house at night and alert them if anyone unfamiliar, including animals, started approaching the house. Did it need guarding? Just generally? Apparently the family did leave fires going. I don't know how often this happened, but there at least one on one occasion, the family had left a fire going and Jeff put it out while everyone was sleeping to keep them safe. So he was useful. Yeah. They were happy to have him around. He was like Nana from Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes like if the family overslept, he would serve as the alarm and go wake them up. So he (laughs) was very helpful. Um, He also... If rodents got into the house, Jeff would use his animal-like appearance to scare them away. And then he also apparently would sometimes sleep in Viori, the 13-year-old daughter's room, to keep her comfort through the scary and dark evenings. And so he was basically the family dog, and that's, I think, what the family kind of referred to him as, as, even though the family did end up having a dog as well, but now they had two. (laughs) Um, He was rarely seen, a bit creepy and unpredictable, but protective nonetheless, and could talk. Then, you know, as we've said in the beginning, he was very charming, but there is a little bit of a darker side to Jeff. It wasn't always fun and games. No. Jeff was a bit of a nuisance at times. He would throw stones. He would kill the rabbits. So clearly he would go outside as well. Kill the rabbits that would just show up dead around the family's farmhouse. And sometimes he would sing, quote, Body renditions of Home on the Range. (laughs) I just picture, I mean, I assume all of this came out from the family being interviewed about this. And I just feel like this is something that maybe the dad or someone was just so annoyed with Jeff at one point and was just listing all the things that annoyed them about Jeff. He kills the rabbits. He sings body renditions of Home on the Range. His lyrics are explicit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's like... That uncle no one wants to listen to at Thanksgiving that's just, like, bugging the hell out of everyone. Yeah. Um, So he would go on rants a lot. And these rants would be very judgy and very scary sometimes. One time during one of his long monologues, because he was a Renaissance man, he said, I've been to nicer homes than this. Carpets, piano, satin covers on polished tables. I'm going to go back there. (laughs) (laughs) And another time, Jeff said, I could kill you all, but I won't. 
All right, that takes a turn, Jeff. I mean, you can talk about my decor, but yeah. He's just messing with everyone. And I think he's having fun with it. Like, why would the Irving family go to such an extent to make up this story? And also to have it have so many turns. I'm kind of like, Mm -hmm. if you were making up a story that this mongoose was trying to kill you, that would be one thing. If you were making up a story that this mongoose is your best friend, that's one thing. But to make up a story where the mongoose is both seems unnecessary. Right. Yeah. He's all over the place. The family did want help figuring out what this was because it was confusing to them. While they loved Jeff, they were also like, what is happening? So the like I'm saying, the, the Irving family was a little bit confused. This relationship with Jeff was mostly loving and friendly, but he would occasionally say very strange, weird things. And the Irvings didn't want to kick him out because he was like family. But I don't know. I mean, they kept caring for him. They would, this is what I love. Jeff is also bougie as hell. He likes his piano, his nice decor and stuff, and likes to tell the Irvings that this house is not nice. But the Irvings (laughs) are leaving chocolates, bananas, biscuits, and bacon for him. And they also went around, like, out of their way to attend to him. Like, Jeff was very specific. He didn't – he was self-conscious about eating around people. So (laughs) the family would suspend the food kind of up towards the ceiling, and then Jeff would grab the food and take it when no one else was looking. (laughs) Did they, like – like, did they, like, develop, like, a special – like, a system? Like, did they, like, hang something from the ceiling? Were there pulleys? Uh, there must have been something. I'm kind of imagining a ceiling fan with like a rotating or like a like dumb waiter. strings of food. You know? Yeah, something like, like that. Ooh. Yeah. I, I wonder how much trial and error there was, but it seems like they figured it out. I mean, also, let's remember, Jeff is very direct. So for all we know, he could have given them exact instructions on how he wanted his food prepared and, and left for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, no yes. doubt. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting that vibe. He's so direct, but he's also confusing. Like another conundrum is despite being self-conscious and wanting to remain mostly hidden, Jeff loved the occasional outing into the public. So he would go with the family to the market and would remain unseen, but while grocery shopping would talk and talk and talk and talk. So this family is grocery shopping. They are all quiet, you know, grabbing their groceries, grabbing the necessities, And this voice would just continue to talk around them. I don't know what he was saying. Maybe he was asking for specific foods. But so people would pass by this family and kind of do double takes. Like, who's talking? No one looks like they're talking, but I hear a voice. Who won't shut up. Did they ever say, like, how Jeff went along? Like, was it just mysterious? Was he, like, tucked in a basket? Mm Mm-hmm. It seemed to be mysterious. I, I would yeah. like a basket. I, I would like like a baby Bjorn. Yes. <laughs> yes. With or like one of those cat carriers with the little yes. like – The bubble in the back. So. The window. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The backpack with the bubble. That would be that would be sick. That's how I would carry my Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So Jeff even took to, in his very discreet way, going out on the town by himself. So sometimes he went with the family, but other times he would hop on the bus every now and again. And the purpose of these rides 
were to get some good gossip to bring back to the family. So he would sit on the bus all day and he would listen to everything that was going on with everyone in town and the neighbors and he'd come back to the family and he would spill all the beans. He would dish on all the hot gossip from town that he heard on the bus that day. Hunter-gatherer king. Yeah, I mean, and who knows how he was appearing on the bus too because this is another thing that I'm thinking of. Like I keep thinking, oh, he was just – really sly and he would become invisible. But what if he just could also shapeshift into like this little old man reading a newspaper Mm -hmm. that no one is thinking anything of, right? Mm -hmm. Pretty soon the newspapers catch wind of what's supposedly happening on the Isle of Man. And they all want to obviously know what is going on with this talking mongoose creature that's living with this family and going to the supermarket with them. So they all hoped to see Jeff the mongoose and many locals actually came and and backed up the Irvings and said, yes, we've heard Jeff talking because now there were journalists, there were investigators, everybody was there to go see who Jeff is, what it is, and to try to catch a glimpse or maybe even capture Jeff. And so everybody's gathered there looking for the evidence. And one newspaper wrote an article titled, Man Weasel, Mystery Grips Island, Queerest Beast Talks to Daily Dispatch Reporter. So he talked to reporters. (laughs) I mean, I can see that. He seems like the kind of mongoose reincarnated beast that would do interviews. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. And one of the people there that really wanted an interview with him was Harry Price who we know from our podcast and and probably just is better known in history for debunking paranormal activity. Mm-hmm. Harry Price was determined to kind of insert himself into these fantastical, mysterious, magical moments and figure out how people were fooling others with their witchcraft and magic and hauntings. So Harry Price is like, Psh, a talking mongoose, this is going to dissolve real quick. Let me head over there. But he was in for a little bit of a surprise because the Irvings end up handing over a ton of evidence. Photographs, hair samples. They pointed out footprints and stains on the wall from Jeff's daily activities to prove his existence. Um, There were casts taken of the paw prints and samples taken by all types of people. And they truly could not disprove this. The Irvings, like I said, had a dog named Mona that was a sheep dog. And so people were like, oh, all of this is Mona's doing. All of the evidence is from this dog and the family is making up Jeff. So Harry Price takes this evidence and asked a man named Reginald uh, Pecock of the Natural History Museum to evaluate all of this evidence and examine the impression of Jeff's supposed tooth marks, teeth marks. And Reginald couldn't match these bites, the print, the fur, to any known animal. And he could confirm that it was not from a dog. So it definitely was not Mona. You know, people still say that it was probably the dog. But the prints and evidence were never People don't want to believe. It's a confusing thing to happen, right? So they're like, is it? Is it not? And even when someone who has all of the evidence to say, okay, this was not left by Mona or a dog that we know of, it doesn't necessarily mean that it couldn't be left by a dog. It's just what dog? <laughs> even though even though it was proven that this these samples were not from a dog species or any species that we know of, even it was proven 
not to be from an actual mongoose either. So the mystery just continues. No one knows what this creature is, and everyone's hypothesizing, is it a creature that we don't know of yet? Is it one that doesn't outright exist in our world? Is it a cryptid, a strange animal hybrid, or a spirit with the ability to morph and change its appearances? No one knows, but most people do agree and have agreed at that time and moving forward that Jeff is a paranormal creature. And most people are like, that's enough for me. I don't know anything else. Let's just move on. Harry Price, he continues to investigate because he's like, this is clearly a a forgery. This is clearly a case of a family just, you know, figuring out a way to fool everybody. And so he himself goes and examines the farmhouse. And in doing so, he notices that the interiors are covered with double walls of wooden paneling, which allows for a lot of airspace within the walls. And because of the way that the panels were set up, sound could travel very easily through the walls and they would sort of bounce off the walls and trail off. So if you were inside of the wall talking and someone was in the living room, they would hear the noise but not be able to identify exactly where in the home you were because of the way that the sound would carry through this wooden paneling. Additionally, Nandor Fedor, a research officer for the International Institute of Cyclical Research, stayed at the house for an entire week, hoping to hear and see Jeff, but he didn't. And he theorized that Jeff could have split off from the father, Jim Irving's personality. So things were not really looking great for the existence of Jeff the Mongoose. It was now looking like perhaps the family had a heavy hand and and were heavily involved in creating Jeff the Mongoose. Maybe Jim was throwing his voice and trying to trick everyone, trying to trick his family, thought it was a great prank that just was taken far, way too far. Or maybe Jim wasn't even aware of him doing this himself. But more and more people became skeptical of Jeff the Mongoose. But to disprove, personally, to disprove this disapproval, (laughs) it's one thing for that to be a theory inside the home. Like, sure, maybe the house was set up like this and the walls the way that they were, you could reverberate and throw your voice in these ways. But it's also happening out in public around other people. So Mm -hmm. unless Jim is a ventriloquist of some kind, uh, the explanation kind of doesn't go beyond the home, to me at least. He could learn to throw his voice, but I I mean, you know, as someone who studies forensic science, I'm like, what about the hair? I'm still, yeah, I'm still going back that. to the hair, you know. I am wondering about Jeff's time on the bus and the gossip that he yeah. brought back. Because if that, that gossip too. was accurate, how did the family right. come across it then? Right. So James Irving passed away in 1945, and both his wife, Margaret, and daughter, Yori, moved away and sold the farm. And sadly, they made no money on the farm because of its reputation And so they undersold it, which is shocking because, I don't know, maybe this is personal belief, but if it all was true, I feel like it should have gone for way more. Like you think today, like now a lot of houses, I mean, sometimes it's a bit sick, but when something like that happens, the value goes up. And then this story takes a dark and perhaps heartbreaking turn because if you're like us, you've maybe fallen in love with Jeff. And the man who bought the farm, his name was Leslie Graham, and he reported that when he moved in, he spotted Jeff 
and shot him and killed him and said he stuffed Jeff and put him on display, which Margaret and Viore, while they don't live in this house anymore, loved Jeff and they were horrified so much so that they showed up at the front door of this home that they used to call their own home, knock on the door to confront Leslie and they are let inside and while I said that you might be heartbroken, they see the Jeff that Leslie has stuffed and put on display and they're like, that's not Jeff. That's not our Jeff. That is a regular black and white mongoose. That is not our short, yellowish, small, bushy-tailed Jeff. Thank God. So the question right? is, does that mean Jeff lives on? Because there haven't been any sightings since the Irvings moved, and critics continue to debunk the case and conclude it was a hoax. Some compare it to the Fox sisters, who, uh, if you're familiar, they were big during the spiritualism movement, and there was a lot of conspiracy or belief that they were manipulating the knocks and things to portray paranormal contact. So people continue to theorize that it was the family's involvement using ventriloquy or rigging the house to create all these hauntings. Or that perhaps it was a mass hallucination. I guess my first question would always be like, who benefits, right? So did right. the family make money off of Jeff? Did they sell film rights? Did they get a book deal out of Jeff? Um, were they doing tours? To our knowledge, none of this okay. happened. And they weren't trying yeah. to get rid of the house at the time. Not no. not until after the father passed away. Those that was many many years. Later. Okay, see, and those are all the kinds of things that made me go, okay, you know, this is where we have like the watcher letters, things like that. You know, where you're like, yeah. okay, you have a reason for this. But if someone's just hanging out with their paranormal ghost time traveling mongoose friend for no monetary reason outside of love and perhaps a little fear. I don't really <laughs> see why we should approach it with disbelief, you know, because they're not getting anything out of it besides some fun. Right. They didn't even call reporters, right? Reporters caught wind of it and came? Yes, because yes. it was the gossip around town that there's a talking mongoose in this farmhouse. That's another stri That's another, not strike rather, but I think point in their favor that they did mm -hmm. not alert reporters. I like to think that a neighbor was annoyed with Jeff knowing all of their business <laughs> and called reporters and was like, help us get rid of this, this gossip I queen. got a snitch on this mongoose. <laughs> this mongoose knows everything and we don't know why. And So yeah, uh, I mean, it would be a very strange thing to devote so much time to faking, right? Because they provided yes. evidence, they provided all sorts of authority figures with all of the evidence that they could possibly get, they didn't identify the fur and the footprints and the teeth marks, which I am still stuck on. Yep. Right. Why, yeah. why bother if you're going to sell the farm at a loss and then freak out and show up when someone claims to have shot your yeah. mongoose? Right. And it's not like they brought with them a team of reporters and, and was attempting to get attention when when trying to see Jeff's body either, right? Like it was very much out of the concern Specifically for Jeff. If anything, thing too. Leslie, who bought the home, was trying to get this attention. Like, look at me. I killed Jeff the mongoose, and now he's on display for everyone to come right. see. Exactly. Exactly. Even if Jeff the mongoose is that actual mongoose, the black and white one that, that was stuffed, I'm glad that 
Margaret and Vori said that it wasn't just so that this guy couldn't profit off of the killing yeah. of this this animal. But the family, they – I mean, the father had passed, but the mother and daughter, they stood by the story it, until they passed away. They never wavered on what they experienced in the house. The daughter, Vori, she passed away in 2005, and up until the day that she died, she was adamant about what happened in that house and what her and her parents had experienced together. She said Jeff the Mongoose was real. And also, Jeff the Mongoose's memory has not been forgotten. He's actually stayed relevant beyond just our, our podcast. <laughs> and in 2014, Wall Street Journal wrote about, quote, the world's preeminent authorities on Jeff the Mongoose, who all gathered at the University of London Senate House Library to discuss the mystery and try to figure out what happened at this house on the Isle of Man. Is this like so an like annual academic. convention and can we go? I hope so. Right? If not, let's bring it back and make sure it is an annual convention. Yeah. I think we might be the convention. I'm <laughs> full in full support of this. Like, a, I would love to I just have love... Like a research day where we all get together <laughs> right? and like we're proving it of like three or four of these things. <laughs> yeah. That sounds I so love much the, fun. The story that you shared on our feed and then the, the story that we're sharing here, both are haunted houses that just have no answers like the mystery remains yeah. and there's just so much room for people well i say there's so much room to to discover what truly happened but so much time has also passed yeah. yeah that i don't know how much more evidence will will uncover right and similar to atlanta bleeding house the blood has never at least that we know of returned or happened again and same with jeff like no one has seen jeff and i like to think that jeff was meant to be with the Irving family. And when the Irvings moved, Jeff was like, I'm moving on. And he said he was a spirit-bound human who was choosing to look the way he was at that time. So I don't know, maybe he moved on. Maybe he went to another family and I don't know, maybe he shows up as Bigfoot now. I mean, I like <laughs> the idea, like sort of golden compass style, right? That he was like a splinter of the father, and so when the father mm. passed, Jeff Jeff moved on. I think that's very sweet. And that wouldn't yeah. make it any less paranormal, really. No. You know what I mean? In many ways, yeah. or any less metaphysical. It, you know, as long as the, the dad's not, you know, saying, there's a mongoose upstairs, there's a mongoose upstairs. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like right. in a sort of side voice. I mean, I think that what we can do with our brains is pretty fantastic. Do you know what I mean? And yes. there's a lot more power to the human spirit and to humanity that we haven't even begun to unlock. So, I mean, any of that stuff to me is fascinating too. So. Yeah, I agree. It was lovely to have you on the show. We're so excited to do this crossover with you guys. Us too. Us too. Thank you for having us. Yay. Thanks for joining us for this special episode, strangers. We'll be back next time with our regular episode. To support the show and to hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, you now have three options to enjoy two extra bonus episodes a month. On Apple Premium and Supercast, you can get the bonus episodes delivered to your app of choice for just $2.99. And for $2 more a month on Patreon, you'll get more fun extras. There you'll find ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, two full-length bonus episodes a month, two monthly giveaways, blog posts, and occasional live streams, all for $5 a month. 
we hope you'll check out one of these options and support the show. There's a link in our show notes. And if you enjoy One Strange Thing, please take a moment to leave us a great rating or review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps. 